listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, March the 16th in the year of our Lord 2020, which means we're taking a look at reading from the fourth Sunday in Lent, March 22nd, 2020. There are three readings we could take a look at. The Old Testament is Isaiah 42. The epistle is Ephesians 5. And the Holy Gospel is the entire chapter, John chapter 9. It's not possible to go through the entire chapter, but we can look at some highlights of this chapter in preparation for sermons either heard or delivered this coming Sunday. Without further ado, verse 1, John 9. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Now, this occurs right after Jesus was having an argument at the temple with Jews who did not believe in him. And Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now, that's the verse right before chapter 9, verse 1. He hid himself. How did that happen? Well, we're really not sure. We are reminded of another occasion where he was in Nazareth and they were going to throw him off the cliff. And he just walked away from them. And that also is kind of mysterious how that happened. But anyway, he's walking out of the temple. And as he passes by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Now, one of the reasons that seminarians are at the seminary for a number of years is because it's really difficult to understand the Bible if you don't understand the culture of that day. If we see a blind man, I don't think we jump to the conclusion, oh, he's blind because of some kind of sin he's done. But in that day, Judaism, they taught that when you're going through a period of suffering or you're blind or you're lame or you're deaf or you're mute, that's a punishment from God for something you had done. And the disciples pick up on that right away. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Now, that doesn't even make sense, that somebody is born blind because of his own sin before he was born. Now, there there is a teaching of original sin, but was this also a way of getting even with the parents? Now, what's Jesus' answer to this? He says in verse 3, chapter 9, it was not this 
man sin or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, Jesus refers to himself a number of times with the I am, that I am the bread of life, I am the good shepherd, etc. But in verse 5 here, when he says, I am the light of the world, what he is saying is he indeed is the one who is the light. We looked at that during the Advent, even during the Lent, that Jesus is the light of the world that came into those in darkness. And blindness is just a kind of a metaphor of being blind. Uh, later on, he accuses the Pharisees who say, we can see, no, you're, you're really blind, because they don't recognize him as the Savior. Now, this is really an important point for us. We're going through a time of the coronavirus. Do people who get it, and a number of them die, is that a punishment from God? Or is there another reason? Well, anytime you ask a question like that, you need to go to the Bible. Are there times when God does give a punishment to someone because of their sin? Well, sure, in the Old Testament, they made a golden calf, and God created an earthquake that swallowed a number of them up. And Herod, King Herod, was eaten by worms because of his horrible way of dealing with the people. So there are occasions when, yes, your suffering or punishment can be a result of a sin you did. But in this case, Jesus is making clear, no, we need to see that this man is blind, not because of any sin he has done, but so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And having said these things, Jesus then breaks the law of Judaism. He spits on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Now, how is that breaking the law of Judaism? Well, in that day, the leaders of Judaism had 39 ways in which work was forbidden on the Sabbath. And one of them was the kneading of dough. You weren't allowed to make bread on the Sabbath. And they also applied that to the mixing of earth with saliva. Now, why? Well, saliva, if you take a look at if you have a cat, they often lick themselves to clean themselves. And so 
it was thought that that had curative powers and doctors were not permitted to work on the Sabbath for just regular illness unless it was a matter of life and death. And this was not a matter of life and death. So Jesus, a lot of people say, why couldn't he have just said, be healed? And he would have been healed. No, no. Everything is in the Bible for a purpose. Jesus does not follow the laws of Judaism because that's a new religion came about about the time of the Babylonian captivity and it is contrary to the religion of the Old Testament, Israel's true religion. Remember Jesus' disciples, they get criticized for picking grain on the Sabbath and eating it. That was also a work they weren't supposed to do. Jesus heals a man who is lame. He picks up his bed and walk. That also was a sin. And so Jesus does break a lot of the ceremonial laws of Judaism because he is God and he only needs to follow the laws of his father, not the laws made up by men. So he makes mud, applies it to the man, and then he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, if you read the Gospel of John, a lot of times he has parenthetical remarks explaining words that Jews would know. But here he says, in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. That's how he describes it. So he's obviously not addressing the Gospel of John to Jews. A number of times he explains uh, the word Messiah, the word Christ, and other things that Jews wouldn't need explanation. So he went and washed and came back seen. Now, I find that very interesting because the pool's name is Siloam, which means sent. Jesus is the one who was sent by God the Father to the world. And now he sends this blind man to the pool of Siloam. He goes, washes, and comes back seen. Now, are we going to say that the man was able to see because he obeyed Jesus? No, we need to go one step further back. Why did he obey Jesus? If you were blind and somebody told you, uh, go wash in the Mississippi River and you will see. We remember a, a leper from a foreign land was told by Elisha, go and wash in the Jordan. And he said, hey, my rivers back home are cleaner than yours. And he wasn't going to do it until, well, his servants convinced him, go ahead, do what Elisha says. And he did it. So what happens, Jesus sends him. And it isn't because of his obedience, but because of his trust in the words of Jesus. I, I can only imagine, how would you televise that? 
if you're doing a movie on it, I've often thought about that. It's kind of like, how would you think about doing a movie on Abraham about to kill Isaac? How did he get Isaac up on the altar uh, when he was about to kill him? I, I saw one movie, and the way that that happened, when Abraham had finished constructing the altar for Isaac to be killed, Isaac fainted. And Abraham just picked him up and put him up there. But whether that happened or how it happened, the Bible doesn't say. All it says is Abraham had a knife in his hand, was about to kill Isaac. And you wonder, why would he kill Isaac? Didn't God say that through him all the nations would be blessed? And this was more than just a knife. He would also burn Isaac. But, the Hebrews, that gives us the answer. Abraham realized that Isaac, in a sense, had already come from the dead, the dead womb of Sarah. That's what the Bible says. And, and therefore, Abraham believed that even were he to kill Isaac and burn him to death, the Lord would raise him from the dead because of his promise. Boy, talk about faith. That's really great faith. So this man's walking towards the Pool of Siloam, and maybe some of his friends see him and say, where, where are you going? Well, this man, he put mud on my eyes and told me to go wash in the pool. Well, they would think that's nuts, but he did that. A lot of people think that we're nuts when we bring an infant to the pool of baptism and place water on the child in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But we are again following God's command as to how make disciples of all nations by baptizing and teaching. Well, the neighbors, this is verse 8, and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is not this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, well, yeah, it is he. Others said, no, he's just like him. But he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? Asking about Jesus. He said, I do not know. So these friends and neighbors, they bring him to the Pharisees. That is, the man who had formerly been blind. And then John gives us some information. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud. Remember, that all was, already was going against Judaism, and opened his eyes. Notice, the claim for opening his eyes is given to Jesus. And the Sabbath had hundreds of rules where you were not permitted to do work on the Sabbath. And this certainly was a work in healing when it wasn't a matter of life and death. So, 
They bring him to the Pharisees. It's the Sabbath when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. See, God had planned even that because Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. We're going through a time right now when a number of churches are actually closing down because of the coronavirus. And um, they had uh, photos on the front page of the St. Louis paper of people gathered in their homes watching their television or maybe their computer where the church was putting the worship service over the Internet. And they had a picture of one church usually has a thousand people in it, and there were only a handful of people there. So each church needs to make up its mind. There's no promise from the Bible that going to church, there's no way that you can get ill by going there. No, we can take a look at the history in the United States, and people were getting ill from going to church under some circumstances, and they closed down many churches. Well, at any rate, the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight, and he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed and I see. That, that would be like somebody asking you, who has had a child that's been baptized, how do you know your child is saved? And you say, the pastor put water on my child, and God gave him the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you'd be quoting Acts chapter 2. So that's what the man says. Pharisees then say, some of them, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. This could have been where Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea began to think differently about Jesus than did the other Pharisees. Because this doesn't make any sense. If he's not from God, how he can do such signs, and the word there can be translated as miracles, and there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. So this man is at the point where he's beginning to believe that Jesus is just not a common individual uh, able to do some magic. He's actually a prophet from God. Now, some of the Jews didn't believe that he had really been blind. Remember, some said, well, he looks like the guy who is blind, but he's not him. So they called his parents, the parents of the man who had received his sight, and asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? Now, I'm always kind of surprised that the parents should, should be rejoicing that their man, their son, now sees. But instead, they say, we know that this is our son 
and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. Now, once more, John has a parenthetical phrase in there. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Now, that being put out of the synagogue was not really an excommunication from our point of view because nobody was taking communion, but it was a way of being thrown out of the synagogue. You were not allowed to worship, and therefore you were destined for hell. And the parents were afraid of that. And so that's why they said, go talk to our son. So a second time they called the man and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Now, boy, is that ironic? They, they realize the man is able to see, so they want to give glory to God, not to Jesus, and don't realize that Jesus is God. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. So they asked him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them. Now, boy, this is some courage, his answer. I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Wow, that really makes him mad. And they reviled him. You are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And the man born blind who now sees says, oh, that's an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. And we know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. And, and they finally say to him, you were born in utter sin because he was born blind. And you would teach us, and they cast him out. Now, finally, he finds Jesus. And Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, that phrase comes from the Old Testament. You know, the best passage is Daniel chapter 7, where God the Father, as the Ancient of Days, is talking about the Son of Man going to earth to redeem the earth, and he speaks to the second person of the Trinity, who is Jesus, and sends him to earth. So when Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? This man is a believer in the Old Testament. And he said, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And then, boy, Jesus says to him, 
you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Boy, you don't have to go to too many passages in the Bible where it's very clear that Jesus is saying that he is the promised Messiah. He is therefore God. Here's a very clear one. And the Holy Spirit then does his work. The man born blind, now seen, says, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Now that particular word for worship is in verse 38, is a very important word. And it is really one which is used in worshiping God. So, this is a beautiful example. When we see people who are suffering, maybe some have received the virus, we ought not jump to the conclusion, as many did when someone received AIDS, that they got that from sin. No, some got it from a blood transfusion, although there were those who did receive it due to their sin. But we can't make that judgment unless Bible makes it clear as to how to make that judgment like in Herod's day. Well, tomorrow with Mark Smith, we're going to give you some more comfort in light of the virus going around as we take a look at a hymn that speaks specifically to our situation. Join us tomorrow for Law and Gospel. God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.